0: Hey, Heather and Kathy here before we get started this week. Um, We have a little bit of news. Um, We've been chatting over the last couple weeks and Kathy and I have decided that this is going to be our our last week of Art Supply Posse, at least for the sore foreseeable future. Um, We love recording the show um, but it just feels like the right time to stop for us and we didn't really plan this it to happen this way but uh, this week's episode is I think particularly cool. We have Brad Dowdy on the show um, who is one of my favorite podcasters and somebody that you guys probably know pretty well and we ended up having a really great talk about the stationary community in general and we talked about a lot of things that you know, the reason that we started the show. So it feels like a really like nice, happy way to end the show, though, of course, we're all going to miss you guys.
1: It's been so great since I've joined the show. Um, I know I jumped in halfway through, but you guys have just made me feel so welcomed. And I just uh, love the friendships and relationships that I've grown through this uh, opportunity and i'm so thankful that i had the chance uh we will still be around we're not you know completely disappearing off the internet um <laughs> i am doing a weekly podcast with gene mcdonald uh about orphan black it's called Sestercast
0: and it's really good I'm listening to it. I'm very excited.
1: (laughs) Yes. uh, We're doing an episode by episode rewatch for Jean. She's seen it multiple times and this is my first time through. And so uh, it's two different viewpoints watching the same show and and we talk about it. And so whether you've seen Orphan Black or not, um, you know, go take a listen. We'd love to have you join us over there. Um, And of course, you can find us. On the Twitters, I am at Mrs. Soup and Heather is at Perryard. And you know, who knows? Sometime in the future we might uh if there's a special episode we have the need for, um, there might be another one in the future. But for right now, we will of course keep the feed up. You can access all of our previous episodes. So if someone has a question about uh gouache you know how to (laughs) attach them yeah (laughs) you know where to send them
0: yeah the show will stay up um our email will stay up the twitter will stay up i mean like kathy said we're not disappearing and you know where to find us um kathy's got a couple different um podcast projects going which is exciting including um sestra and i have um a show that i'm working on pretty hard and excited to launch sometime in the next six months so um i'll I'll be chatting about that on Twitter at the very least. And yeah, I don't know. Thank you guys for listening. It's been it's been a little over a year. We kind of like blew past our one year anniversary, but um, it has been a lot of fun. And, you know, we, we started this show sort of um, out of uh, like the listenership of the pen addict. So like that's how like I started caring about this stuff. So it feels pretty cool to sort of go out um, by talking to Brad. So um, with that, I think we'll, roll our uh, lovely um intro music from bob atkins and uh we will see you guys around on the internet
1: bye <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 48 of Art Supply Posse, a podcast about art supplies and the people that use them. My name is Kathy and I am joined by my fantastic co-host, Heather. Hi, Heather. Hey, Kathy. And we also have a fantastic guest today. Hello, Mr. Brad Dowdy, pen addict extraordinaire.
0: (laughs)
2: Hello, Kathy. Hello, Heather. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be on the show.
1: Thank you so much for joining us. We're super excited.
2: Yeah, this is going to be great.
1: So we like to start out with a little bit of, you know, some soft talk. Mm -hmm. And uh, (laughs) here in the United States, we had the 4th of July, which is why we were uh, away uh, we're going to ignore the sickness the week before. Uh, so we had the 4th of July that we all celebrated last week. And uh, what did you do, Heather? I didn't. I don't even know what your plan was. What did you do for 4th of yeah, July? Yeah,
0: we didn't even really talk about the 4th because I got like sick for the week before that. Um, so we haven't been around for a couple of weeks. But I have a, an annual reunion. I get together with all my um, friends from college. And because summer is the time of uh grad school graduations and weddings it's kind of a floating date because every year we just try to like nail the sort of like eye of the storm for everybody's summer plans and this year it worked out to be the fourth of july so i um flew out to new york um for the holiday weekend Had a little bit of travel drama. Had not one, but two different uh, medical, like medical emergencies for like somebody else on the like vehicle of mass transit (laughs) that sort of derailed things. (sighs) And then a third canceled flight. It was just it. It it was like maybe Heather's not going to get to the weekend this year. Everybody was sort of tracking it, and uh, it it was one of those comedy of errors. Like after a few things go wrong, you're like, oh, it's just gonna keep going wrong until until it's finally over.
1: (laughs) Oh my goodness that's so stressful. Uh,
0: Yeah it was it was not great I don't really usually travel on major holidays so that was sort of like a note for the future like uh, traveling on the 4th is not fun but in the end I had a couple days up north um, in uh, like the Harlem Valley which is like a little bit north of New York City. And it was great. And then I got home in time to go on a little like fireworks cruise um, that uh, my uh, work organized. So I got to like go out on a boat on the canals in Chicago and watch the fireworks. So it all had a happy ending.
2: That sounds really cool. I haven't gotten to do any big time fireworks in a while. That sounds fun.
0: Yeah. What did you guys get up to for the holiday?
2: Uh, I was I was at home. For the holidays because my wife had to work but we planned it purposefully because we knew she would have to work so we the weekend before the fourth we went to the beach for like three days and then the weekend after the fourth so just this past weekend we went to the mountains for a few days so I've got both both my sets of my in-laws live four hours towards the water and my parents live four hours towards the mountains so it's like a (laughs) quick drive either way free place to stay And, you know, they always want to see the grandkids, so you know, they get to do whatever they want and, you know, we get to go, my wife and I get to go and chill out while, uh, the grandkids run around like crazy people, but, um, we did. Isn't like, that the
1: best? Yeah, it's that awesome. That is seriously, especially because the grandparents are just so attentive and they, they love grandchildren that they're just like, oh, here, let's go over here and play and you get to sit and have a beer. Exactly. And, I read, you know, talk to your spouse and.
2: Yeah. Like I love to read books, but yeah. I never can at home. So I read one book on the first weekend and I read a second book on the second weekend. So that, that made me very happy. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need much That's more than exciting. that. That's
0: <laughs> exciting. Yeah. <laughs> did, that, did your travels take you um, uh, in proximity to any not co namesakes? That, is, like different that is hilarious
2: that you asked that because where my <laughs> parents now live, so we have a product coming out in the fall. Um, it's named after a lake called Seed Lake, and it's I just I just I it's on the path to my parents' house. So the next time I go, I'm gonna plan a detour so I can go get some uh, pictures, you know, with some signs in the lake. But that's <laughs> and they live they live near Chimney Rock Mountain, which is not it's different from Chimney Top, but they're both in that kind of proximity. So yeah, all the North Georgia stuff is now the direction that I I'll be driving a bunch. So that's an awesome question that you said that because I was thinking the exact same thing. I need to go get some pictures. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's one of I mean there's a lot to love about Knock but like I try to be a good hometown mm-hmm. girl even when I'm not living mm-hmm. in my hometown so that that part of of Knock has always like made my yeah, heart very warm. Cool.
1: Yeah, it's and especially because it's not if you're not from the area or if you don't like pay attention
0: you're just like oh what cool names yeah.
1: and then you move yeah. on and then you learn where they're actually from and it's it's yeah, it totally oh, geeks me out. That's the too. thing is that
0: I feel like independent product designers sometimes get a little gun shy about just inventing a proper mm. noun. And so you have a lot of minimal case two XL <laughs> and it's like, okay, um, I get it. I get it. That It's like hard mm. to name things. But yeah, the, the, the knock products, like if you didn't know anything about Georgia, they just sound like memorable proper nouns and then it sort of has the bonus of having exactly a and we
2: we definitely knew up front we weren't going to do anything with number related you know ver o1s and o2s oh, yeah and things like that yeah that's definitely not our style so yeah it's it's been fun and it's it's yeah. really cool when people ask and we get to explain you know people say that that <laughs> name is really interesting where does this come from and then I explain and they're like oh that's very cool so that, that that's a fun thing and uh now we're at the point where it's a challenge to we better we better pick something good now <laughs> because
1: right and, and people
2: people check up on us too like well this 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 is really in North Carolina we're like no it crosses the border you know we we, <laughs> <laughs> we try to keep it legit but it's it's fun and, and funny so
0: that's cool uh, so at the risk of filling this podcast completely with like Heather's misadventures I I could not like let the podcast go by without telling the story so I had this crazy travel right this um insane list of things that went wrong and then I come home and I go to work the next day and I'm walking by my my dad is a very generous man and has been uh loaning me his car because I just moved to Chicago and it's this tiny little blue Miata and it has a hard top and it has like the soft top that's built into the car so I walk by and I think it's, it's had the hard top on it all season. And I was like, huh, that's like looking pr- like a pretty matte finish. That looks like the soft top, not the hard top. And I sort of double look. And, you know, when something terrible happens and it's sort of filtering down through different layers of your brain. I'm like, oh, no. Oh, gosh, it is the soft top. And I go over. And while I was away, somebody broke into the car <laughs> took oh. the hardtop off the convertible and took the seats out what? of the Miata. What? And so what I was left with was a car with, like, no hardtop and no seats in it. <laughs> oh. like, of course, I'm laughing because it's uh. been two weeks. But, like, at the <laughs> time, I was like, what? what a bizarre thing to steal. That's so, so weird. I, I don't. I don't think you can get in trouble for, like, moving violations after the fact, <laughs> but I ended up having to build a pillow fort, basically, inside <laughs> of the Miata to drive it five hours home to Michigan oh and put it away. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. I couldn't just let it sit there with no seats, and I didn't want to pay, you know, $200 to get some temporary seat. So that is up there with, like, the most bizarre thing that's ab- ever, like, happened to a car that I've ever owned. <laughs> wow.
2: I, I don't yeah. know that I've heard uh, a weirder story than that. That's unreal. That's, <laughs> there must be some, like, that's Miata crazy. aftermarket <laughs> or something. For, like, I would believe Miata it.
1: I, I have a friend who has a Miata, or I guess used to, and is, like, hardcore, rebuilds things, mm-hmm. and, like, there's this local group. And so I guess it, it's got to be that sort of – or weird
0: it it totally is and it's it's one of those things where the miatas they're not particularly expensive or valuable cars you know i mean they're they're, they're nice it's kind of like jeep people there are just like some people that like yeah that's just right. their jam and and they love it love it a lot uh the car was parked in front of my parents house one time and i came back and somebody had written me a note like dear miata friend i have a miata like this if you ever want to have a phone call to talk about Miatas, (laughs) you should call me. I was like, what? I called my dad and I was like, is this a thing that weird car people do? And he was like, yeah, it's pretty normal. I was like, it's not normal. You shouldn't (laughs) leave notes to people in their cars about like, let's let's have a play date and we (laughs) can talk about our cars. uh, people
1: talking about art supplies on a podcast.
2: (laughs) Yeah,
0: right. It's true. Uh, Well, hey, Starbucks
2: friend, (laughs) I saw that pencil you were using and if you ever want to chat sometime... (laughs)
0: I feel like that has explicitly come up on on your show before though like when you when you eye somebody across the room and you're like you didn't end up with that pencil like (laughs) except for on very purpose. So funny.
1: Well my 4th of July was a lot uh, more boring than yours apparently Um, although on the day of the 4th I was awake at 5 o'clock to go get ready for a parade that I marched with. Um, I photographed uh, my daughter's dance team, but also all the way up to the high schoolers. And there were the cute little tiny to- tiny toes who were like three and four in their cute little shirts. Mm. And uh, it was hardcore, especially because I was photographing it. So I marched about five and a half miles in a two and a half mile parade. Um <laughs> so that was oh, that was dear. intense but I also got to do kick line with the with the high schoolers so that was fun because I hadn't done that in like 20 years um <laughs> and then we had uh our local town's fireworks we can see them from the end of our street so we don't have to go to the crowds we can just walk down the street and set up shops. so we had a couple of our neighbors there and got to watch the fireworks there and then uh this past weekend, um, my mother-in-law got married, so my sister-in-law came in from Indiana, and we all were at, in northern Oregon hanging out for that wedding, got to see cousins that we hadn't seen in since our wedding 12 years ago, and so it was really fun to have everyone hang out together for a couple days. That was nice.
0: But yeah... Yeah, no crazy cool. travel oh that's awesome I'm glad that you I'm glad that you actually enjoy taking photographs it's, <laughs> it's kind of a chore for me I only ever do that if I'm sort of in charge yeah of it for some organization I feel like every time we do a debrief from some sort of holiday you're like and I took photographs like in this kind of intense professional well, it was It was because, you know, it
1: was a, a professional side of things, not just randomly because my camera doesn't come out unless I'm getting paid or it's part of a volunteer thing uh, because I just get tired. Like I didn't bring my camera to the wedding. There were other people that were hired to take pictures. So I'm mm-hmm. like, my camera's staying at home. So it's kind of yep. like I have a very strict line <laughs> on what is approved and what is not for me, which is nice.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Those kind of boundaries yes, are for sure. A plus. All right. So cool. follow up,
1: which is perfect because our follow up this week uh, is from Marcus Clearspring, and he actually has feedback on the makeup conversation, which is connected to the Panic Podcast where the carolina pen company
0: (laughs) it's all our favorite things kathy it's it's feminist theory it's i know everything it's it's crossover between the pen addict and art supply posse it's it's like all the greatest totally
1: is plus the follow-up part of things you know it's kind of great so he wrote uh hi kathy and heather i unexpectedly find myself writing feedback on makeup with the cute little (gasps) face Jonathan Brooks from the Carolina Pen Company revealed the secret to his pen barrel designs on the Pen Attic podcast during the live show. Anna was on that episode too. And unquoted from that, I was there during this conversation, so I knew exactly what he was talking about. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> drum roll, yeah, the too. secret, is an extensive collection of women's makeup. Well, not from the regular cosmetics department, he uses cosmetics industry powders with mica. I guess he mixes that into the resin for pen barrels. I also remember designer James Victor... Victoria? Victoria? I don't know. Uh, yeah. Sure. Using a black theater know. makeup stick for hand lettering in one class. I don't have much experience with makeup except for Halloween-style costumes, but my mother worked in cosmetics and perfumery her whole working life. From what she said, I believe the art to makeup is not noticing it's there, at least not in first glance. Kind of like a good special effect which never takes you out of the movie. And this is so... Such a good trip. Like, I remember growing up, we would have Mary Kay parties for my birthday sometimes. And, like, the trick of makeup is making it not look like it's there. So, like, blending and all of that. And I don't know, Heather.
0: I would say that is, I I would say that's one school of makeup. Because I've seen well. some purple lipstick in my day that I definitely noticed was there but I was still like double double right. thumbs up to the barista. I think like what well, what well I think done. mainly well done, sir, as it is. Mainly they're situations. talking about like
1: the foundation or if you're gonna contour or whatever, like having it blend seamlessly so there's not like hard lines unless it's the, the
0: Yeah, choice. and and probably in this context as a professional yeah. artist too. That's that's yeah, quite often and the then, situation. Heather, I
1: don't know if you wanna do this part because this is your conversation specifically that we had.
0: Oh, sure. Yeah. So I thought it was a great feedback because Marcus was sort of talking about um, makeup as as a sort of a versatile art supply, something that can be used as ingredients, for instance, in pen making and then sort of as a um, professional outlet. And then he also sort of shared um, his thoughts about just sort of makeup culturally uh, which is which is also part of what we talked about on the show. And just to pull a couple quotes, he said, "Culturally, the only really bad thing is being dictated to and feeling pressured. Clothes or makeup cannot be generally bad," which I think is perfect. I, I tell my something I sort of joke about with my my friends is that I'm really glad to be sort of. Um, At this point in feminist theory, because I feel like women had that argument like a generation ago about if there was sort of a a dogmatic approach that you that you could or couldn't be like femininely expressed in these different ways. And we seem to have arrived at this consensus that it doesn't matter like makeup, no makeup, dresses, no dresses. The important thing is that you do that as an act of self-expression and that you notice the things that you're doing because you want to do them, and the things you're doing because you feel um, pressured right. um, to do them. And so, like M- Marcus ends his email with, "The only important question is how you feel yourself about it." Ideologies can be what cause the pressure, even if they call themselves feminist, which is which is absolutely true. If they dictate to you, be it directly or some like indirect method, the result is the same. So, I I cannot agree with you more, Marcus. Like, well done. And then he closes with um, Simone de Beauvoir wore <laughs> <lipstick>. <laughs> so did, <laughs> didn't know that but that's a great way to uh he, he saw it in her bag during a documentary yeah. so uh 10 out of 10 uh yes completely agree yeah,
2: that's an awesome letter
0: right yeah that's great we usually don't like read from things that, that long perfect. but it was it was yeah like, it hit all well of the points
1: and it was yeah it made us excited and uh i don't know yeah brad if you do art snacks i know uh Couple episodes on Pen Addict before you were talking about all of the, your boxes that you're in, mm-hmm. uh, but the so. July 8th art snacks box arrived, and uh, I did my art snacks challenge before the episode, and so that will be in the show notes. Um, it's a little uh, doodle of both the Pen Addict and uh, Art Supply Posse logo together, so that
0: oh, boom! Nice. I've done my challenge <laughs> for the month. <laughs> it made me it it made me smile. You did a really good job of simplifying our graphic which is pretty um like has yeah. a lot of depth and different color and you simplified it in a super like clear way I thought Aww, the thing was so really well and so composed. I have a
2: I have a funny art snack story um you asked if I subscribe and I've been a subscriber for years and then all of a sudden like over the past three months or so I realized that the box wasn't coming anymore and oh, I know no. it's al- it's always you know you know automatically renewed the subscription or you know whatever, and it just keeps coming, and, and that's great because I love the product. I love Lee and Sarah; they do an awesome job, and uh, I, I like supporting them. And it just hit me one day, like after months of not getting <laughs> <laughs> um, that, hey, that thing isn't coming anymore. <laughs> what happened? I believe is I gave one as a gift, but I you have to do it the way they have it set up online. You go in and you can do it for like I did it for like a three month period, right? But it will mm-hmm. recur. On its own, so I went and canceled the three month one. Except I think I canceled oh, no. my one that's been running for like two and a half years. <laughs> so I don't know. Oh, no. I need to check and see if the person's still getting the month <laughs> one
0: instead of yours. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, they think yeah. you signed up, them up for a lifetime. Right. And of no longer. Like, what the what the heck, so, uh, man? So
2: sorry about that, Lee. <laughs> but I'll, I'll get I'll get back on the wagon here pretty soon. <laughs>
0: yeah I have a similar situation I have I've just uh, I have not sorted out my mail drama I just think mail doesn't come to me at my current apartment and so I didn't get this box I don't know where it was it's definitely not Art Snacks' fault like I confirmed my address a long time ago and I'm completely confident that they've been doing it correctly. But my like crazy building, I don't even own the lease here. Like I'm just subletting. So my hope is that somebody somewhere has my art snacks boxes and they're like <laughs> really enjoying it and they'll going like, to start <laughs> oh, their own man. subscription. <laughs> I'll be settled into a new place soon and I can get it sort of um, set up permanently in a new spot. But yeah, for now, it's it's lost to well, the Well, if you okay. were
1: to get it, you would get some awesome... Um, Car- car- blah, 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 blah. Caran d'Ache pencils. Uh, I feel like this is kind of the international box because the Caran d'ache pencils are from Switzerland. We have a graphic pencil that's from Great Britain, uh, a pen. What's it called? Hold on. Put away the paper like an idiot. The... Pentel duo point flex double ended brush, which uh looks like it might be from Japan based on the uh brush markings on the side um although I don't know where the derwent eraser and sharpener is from um but it's kind of it's okay, I
0: believe those are German, so that's the international that theme, the theme
1: that we got going on, which is kind of fun um I like. I found it really interesting that the Caran d'Ache pencils, um, they had different softness. Uh, The lighter blue or my particularly my lighter blue pencil was a lot softer than my violet pencil, even though there's no lead uh, weight
0: yeah, I think that I think that that is a part of the pigmenting process that that can affect the hardness because there's there's different pigments that they have yeah. to use for different things. I believe it. I think I'm remembering that from back in the Encyclopedia right. Anna days. Where she came in hardcore <laughs> and gave
1: us all the great answers. Yeah. Yeah, but it was yeah. it was fun to draw. We'll put a picture in the show notes. Um and definitely share with us your arts snacks challenge uh when you get it. And uh, maybe tag us in it, too. We'd love to see. Uh.
0: Yeah, I know you've become quite the um, subscription connoisseur, Brad, and you guys have been kind of chatting about the sort of theory of how to run a good Mm -hmm. subscription. And I think it's like a lot of things, the trick is sort of making it look effortless. And I think Art Snacks always makes it feel so effortless. Like every box is – it has good stuff in it, but then it's also sort of – greater than the sum right. of its parts. And I think that's genuinely like pretty hard to pull and off. Not
2: just that with them, they do it monthly. Yeah. That's 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 a mind yeah, boggler. That's like true. I I can't even wrap my head around that type of coordination. Like I can barely get up in the morning <laughs> and they're coordinating this box like so far in advance to have the correct quantities and deliver it in a timely fashion and be awesome every single time it's it's mind-boggling what they're what they're doing they're very very good at it
0: yeah man i hadn't really thought about that because you just kind of take it for granted like they've been monthly ever since i knew about them but if this was a quarterly product and and like cost 20 Mm percent more i would still i would still think it was well and speaking of that
1: quarterly um I just got the email today, in fact, and today is Tuesday, July 11th, Um, and tomorrow on the 12th, they're launching their lettering box. Um, So when this episode goes out, you can click the link in our show notes and go check it out yourself. Um, And they're doing a quarterly bigger box specifically for lettering, and I am so excited to see what happens with that. I'm definitely going to sign up for that because the lettering side of things is way more stuff that I'll use consistently. And uh, I'm just, I'm so stoked to see Mm -hmm. what they do with it.
2: Yeah, I think I bought the last. Yeah. I think last. I don't know if last year was the first one, but I think that's the one I got. And they did a really good job. It's a bigger. It's a bigger box. Yeah, and um, you know, it's more specific tools for the specific thing. In this case, lettering. And I know I d- I haven't read the details of it, but I know they did like some Skillshare classes and things like that, to where you uh, could get some videos and and some learning and some tips um, on on how to. You know, be a better letterer, yeah, and use all the tools that they provide. It was great. Well, and
1: the cool thing about this box is it's actually going to be a, an additional subscription service that's just for oh, lettering. Cool. So it's not just like a one-off, like the watercolor nice, nice, or whatever. Nice. But it's like for yeah. lettering. So it'll be. I'm so excited to see what they do with it.
0: Yeah, geez, man. Thinking about our just our previous conversation, there's a monthly <laughs> box. They do three or four collections a year, and now they're adding a quarterly box to that. <laughs> and I, I, I mean. I don't keep in super close, you know, contact with Lee mm-hmm. and Sarah, but I'm pretty sure they didn't, like, clone themselves yeah. or hire a robot <laughs> or, like, acquire a staff yeah. of 15, like, in the past well, six months. Well, we've done business <laughs> with
2: them at, as Knock, You know, we've done some cases for one of the big, like, the summer travel yeah. kits. Um, and, I mean, you know, that was at least six or nine months ahead of the release date. So, yeah, I mean, their, their calendar must look just crazy. Well,
1: and the nice thing is, is I know... Yeah that like we can trust there's there's an innate sense of trust that we have built with them that they're not going Mm -hmm. to like start this just to make money they like really want to like yes they want to make money because of course they're a business but like they are dedicated to this in addition to everything else so i'm sure that they've gone through and i I would be surprised if they didn't have spreadsheets of hours during the week that they can slip in. Okay. We're going to do lettering box on this day type of a thing. I mean, (laughs) they're so organized and (laughs) hardcore. It would be interesting to peek behind the curtain a little bit.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Lee Lee's one of those guys all the times I've talked to him, we Skype, you know, pretty frequently and he'd be like, okay, Thursday, (laughs) 1115 to 1130. I can, I can pencil you in. I'm like, I guess that's a yes because you didn't give me another
0: choice. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> good thing yes. you have that availability there, Brad. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I think that's a good transition because uh, you know lettering, I think, is really compelling because it straddles this space between handwriting and drawing. And I remember in my art classes, our teachers were always very clear about the distinction. So whenever we had to draw something that had a lettering component or or had um, typography in in the drawing, they said you really have to get in the mindset of drawing letters, which is quite distinct from handwriting. And uh, you guys have um, on the pen sort of talked occasionally about that, right? Because it's sort of the you get these increasingly complex and versatile and capable writing tools and it sort of inevitably sort of slips sideways into drawing. But on the other hand, there is kind of a a mental block there. Like it's a pretty different process. So I was wondering just like kind of as an intro, like what's your experience been about sort of the boundaries between those two things and how have you bumped up against like your own desire or anxiety about drawing as opposed to handwriting
2: yeah. yeah I very much believe there's a there's a huge differentiation between the two even though you think on the surface there shouldn't be right like I can sit and focus and write and even just focus on lettering like I've done drafting work you know yeah two years two decades ago, where my handwriting was, you know, you could not differentiate it from like a blueprint handwriting or an engineering handwriting. I'd gotten my handwriting skills so refined, I could do these things basically like photorealistic handwriting. And that's long gone. It takes practice and continued practice. But as much as I love art and appreciate art, and I'm huge, like following the art community, it's... Mental thing, not as in I don't think it's necessarily a block, but it's like a switch that has to flip to have that artistic bit come out. So, like, you can train yourself to have better handwriting and to make your handwriting look a certain way. You, I don't know that you can train yourself to be an artist, you can work towards being an artist and practice every day, and you get better. It's clear that you can, you know, continue to work at it and continue to get better. But the act of putting the pen to the page is different. And I've never been able to get around that. Like, I want to draw. Like, it's in my head. Like, the things I want to draw are in my head. And they're not pictures. They're drawn pictures. Right. 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 They're not, like, I don't see, like, a physical object. I see a drawn physical object. But I can't translate that out of my head and onto the page. And I and a lot of people can. And that's something I've never been able to get past. It's something I've never been able to pull out of me, um, no matter, like, how much I want to or how much I try. And granted, you know, I haven't, you know, said taken a year right. and committed this amount of time over it. You know, that's a different thing. But just on a regular basis, when I want to do something, I'm a very frustrated frustrated artist (laughs) because I can see it right and I can't ever get it out um and where handwriting has always come easy to me um and my handwriting can be better than it ever is now and I even have you know I like to do kind of like a handwriting art I have a very like graffiti style handwriting that I'll just draw in or you know write in you know that's my kind of art to kind of give me that release instead of drawing you know a tree you know I'll write words and that's kind of my release because I've never been able to make that tree to where it wasn't a frustration point so it's it's hard to pinpoint I think there's a clear switch that people have that allow them to do these certain things. I I do think it can be learned, but it's a different process than like a technical writing type of learning as opposed to like an artistic training.
1: Well, and I wonder too, how much of it has to do with when you are trying to draw something that's in your head. You know specifically what you want it to look like, but the process mm-hmm. of translating it from your brain to the paper is a lot more difficult. And so the frustration yeah. level is so much stronger than trying to get the letter A to look the way that you want because you're you're trying to dissect this image in your head that you haven't actually drawn and no one else has drawn it so you can't necessarily like practice towards it whereas you can write the letter a hundreds of times in your in a journal mm-hmm. and get that practice down but the the act of a a physical drawing is very different when trying to like just copy it over and over
2: yeah and the the one thing that i try to do for me because i get i want to do this so badly and i get frustrated with it is i i read A lot of art magazines and art books, mostly like modern art, stuff that you can like draw with a a pen and a pencil, (laughs) not a paintbrush, um, that I will look at these pictures and just kind of make my – I'll grab something specific out of that picture and try to recreate it, saying, okay, how did they do this, and I'll try to put it – on paper, and I'm generally pretty happy with that result, but I can't ever do it on without that reference right. point. So, I mean, that's like a definite, a definite key for me is I, I do have to have reference. I cannot create um, anything hardly without a reference, um, except product design. Like I'm okay <laughs> at product design. That's a different thing. Yeah, I was gonna like, come I
1: in can... and say, <laughs> well, you're obviously not copying these knock code designs from. You know drawings that you've seen on the internet
0: right I think though both of right. those things and are are sort of rooted in uh, functionality. like you were saying you can draw something that you can see, but you but creating that composition is different, and like with handwriting you don 't have to improvise the the structure of these letters. You can stylistically mm-hmm. choose between variants, but it's it 's a closed set of compositions. And with product design, the thing that you know, like in your bones is like how you want it to work, right? And you can kind of like design away from that, you know, whereas if I think if somebody gave you like a shift dress and was like, design a stationary pattern for this sort of like blank piece of clothing or like this blank bag, like that's really different than being thoughtful about the process of using your tools
2: yeah it's it's very rules based right I mean when I do a product design there's rules you know it it has to be it has to meet certain criteria when I'm doing something else just for fun there's no rules and that for me personally that's a problem <laughs> that <laughs> you know, always bothered I me I don't do good in
1: school when yeah. they're like you know write a paper about whatever you want I'm like but th- no right. there's too many choices <laughs> so
2: like I feel like I have this huge creative you know side of me but I get frustrated because I feel like it's very limited too but I mean I guess I shouldn't you know we're all good at certain things and like I'm okay that you know I can't really draw you know a picture that well but you know I can you know my handwriting looks good so it's a it's a give and take I did it it bugs me from time to time because I let myself get frustrated with yeah. it. But, yeah, But, you know, in the end, not a big deal.
0: I, I did some really quick research just to see if there was sort of a Malcolm gladwell ask like, oh, we all read that mm-hmm. article in the New Yorker and we know this, like, about the
1: neurological
0: mm-hmm. difference. Like, what does your brain look like when you're um, writing versus when you're drawing? And I have no idea whether this was a, a website of record, but I saw somebody who was... Um, had this sort of like partisan opinion about handwriting training, and they were they were mm-hmm. sort of like vehemently against tracing as a part of handwriting mm-hmm. formation because they said mm-hmm. that handwriting is about um, muscle memory and teaching yourself um, how it feels and like learning to be able to do that quickly that it 's not a it 's not a visual um, process, and I thought that was really interesting the difference between A sort of moto like a motor function type of thing like handwriting versus drawing which is this um, the thing that they teach you when you're drawing is that you have to be you have to have a lot of feedback like look up at your at your sort of subject look down look up look down like have this really rapid visual feedback and I think if you were doing that while you were practicing your handwriting you would be kind of working against yourself
2: yeah I, I absolutely agree with that when I was training myself to write in the architecture, architectural style I never traced I don't know that I've ever traced any huh. yeah. any lettering um, before I mean I guess it's maybe a good like very very beginning start to get some of the shapes down like that you're not used to making mm-hmm. but in, in no way would I think it would stick um, any more than you know just grabbing a pad looking at reference lettering and just going to town for hours you know that it, tracing it for hours is going to be way less beneficial i would think
0: and that way i think maybe handwriting is much more closely related to um like touch typing mm. where it's this incredibly fast um communication between language and these like very fine motor motor skills mm. i was i was reflecting on whether handwriting would have been an inherent part of the evolution of the human brain, and I don't think so because, as far as I know, written language is like roughly ten thousand years old, and I think that like modern biology for human beings is more like a hundred thousand years old, mm-hmm. like that's how long we've been like anatomically modern, and I know, for instance, there's a huge history of people who couldn't write and still had. Uh, language skills you know it's not like writing is this I think language is inherent to being a human being but I don't think that handwriting is so it's interesting that handwriting is this incredibly distinctive process that's Hmm. different than drawing but it's not inherent like you can go your whole life and not learn how to how to write Mm -hmm. so it's it's like a relatively modern phenomenon Well, and
1: I would also be really interested to see the comparison between like Chinese and Japanese lettering And even Egyptian versus drawing, like if we see the the brain stimuli firing differently between handwriting and drawing, how does that relate to between, you know, kanji in Japan or Mm -hmm. the Chinese characters or Egyptian writing that I can't remember the name of it right now? Hieroglyphics. Um, Yes, thank you. Uh, See, because the hieroglyphics and things are very, I mean granted letters are shape-driven as well um but it would be really interesting to see if there is even that correlation um and distinction between the two
0: yeah i think so many questions my guess would be no because even though to our eyes like if you're used to um like in an uh an english alphabet for lack of a better word um Mm. Those, the roman those alphabet. yeah those those letters look more pictorial but they're incredibly strict in how the strokes are put mm. together and the order of those strokes you know well, there there's no improvising when when you're when you're drawing even the most complex traditional chinese letter forms
1: well and the main reason i was thinking that though is because um they tend to be word-based as opposed to letter-based yeah um, and so the idea of the word as an image versus individual letters being placed oh, that's together. a good point
0: like the like the brain scan might be different because right um mm-hmm. because it's like in bigger chunks yeah that'd be interesting cool so um
2: yeah, so we need to put together a study. Yeah, yes. obviously
0: we all need to pivot to be uh, like researchers, and we just like put together a couple million dollars. We can do we can do like a longitudinal study. It'll just take like twenty years. We can do like the world's most well-funded follow-up. It'll be great. Yes. <laughs> right. um, or more likely, somebody <laughs> else we'll has already that. done this research, but they will. And we probably just couldn't find it <laughs> on the internet.
1: Hear our show. Our two days of research
0: couldn't find it. You know of course means that it doesn't exist sorry I yanked my headphones out there I'm back. (laughs) (laughs) we're professionals (laughs) Um, yeah so when we when we sort of pitched you for for being on the show Brad we thought that this would be a really interesting topic to talk about um, sort of the difference between drawing and handwriting but also like knowing that this is something that you have sort of started and stopped a couple of times trying to sort of get um into drawing we were also interested in Mm -hmm. talking about this sort of question of how to enter a community as a beginner and Mm. i would say we can even narrow that to talk about our own world of like blogs and podcasts because you know obviously we all love this stuff and i think we we all a lot of us also know people in our lives they're like oh you got the you've got the bug like you've got the seeds of a stationary person like I can tell from like how you're handling your paper or like you bought Mm -hmm. the best possible stuff without ever leaving the grocery store right but at the same time like plunking somebody down at like episode 300 of the Penetic podcast is also like a hard recommendation to make and this is something you guys have been talking about and thinking about for for a long time now so like what's the what's the state of the art in your opinion about like how to how to bring people in
1: and i know like you have the Panatic wiki that i'm sure has been a huge mm. benefit um because you can help people like identify which one um
2: yeah that that came out of a lot of years of trying to answer the question that you just asked you know <laughs> someone's a be- someone's a beginner how do you get them started and in the podcast is one thing but just with stationery in general i guess i always when I started the blog, I just was in this discovery process for myself, and it wasn't a new thing for me. It had been something I'd been doing my whole life with pens and paper. Well, now I had the internet, and oh my God, there's a whole world of stationery <laughs> in Japan that I can order on the internet. <laughs> and I couldn't find anything about this stuff, but I could buy it. Now that's the important <laughs> so part. I wanted, yeah, yeah. So I, you know, I, I took... Took a few few chances that way, and I was like, I really like this stuff. There has to be more stuff like this. And I'd always kind of been very active on the internet, you know, sharing and talking about different things before ever starting The Pen attic. so I was always online. And I said, well, I'm just going to start a blog, so I can share these things, and, you know, maybe someone will find it, and they'll be able to answer the questions that I was asking myself. So I always... And to this day, and, and sometimes I get it a little bit loose and, and talk, you know, a little bit more advanced, but I've always tried to keep it basic, keep it straightforward, and I've always essentially just kind of had an open door, if you will, whether it's comments, email, Twitter, I want people to feel comfortable to ask me any question that they want to ask, whether it's the most basic or the most advanced or whatever random stuff that they get and you know that's worked pretty well for building you know kind of like a baseline for hey go find the pen addict and you can ask a question and having that openness from the beginning I think has been very helpful. Um, I still to this day get like the most beginner emails in my inbox. I still to this day get the email that said, oh my God, there's someone out there just like me. Thank (laughs) you.
1: Um,
2: You know, um, like I've I've said before, there's not a week goes by that I don't get one of those. And I just like helping people, especially for something that I'm so passionate about, right? I want to share that love, spread the wealth. Um, You know, this isn't an industry like technology where you're trying to keep the secrets for some competitive reason, right? Yeah. There's there's none of that. They're just like, I want someone to be happy with what they're writing with, and I'll do whatever I can to help that. I mean, I, it's kind of simplistic, but it's not necessarily easy to execute. <laughs> so it's, it's just one of those things I've always been kind of that sharing and, you know, kind of way and wanting to help you know, answer questions and point people in the right direction um for this little niche crazy thing that I do.
1: Well and I I want to say definitely that your I don't know if it's well, your innate personality of wanting to help people, uh, comes across mm-hmm. in everything that you do. And I know first getting when I first started listening to the podcast back when you were on five by five, like mm-hmm. I felt like I knew you. Like you're my buddy Brad, like talking about <laughs> pens and like Right. So that seeing that develop but also that you've kept that is has been really huge for me as just as a fan that you, you know, you've created this amazing company and this amazing community mm-hmm. around everything that you do and you still have that very innate i like you as a person let's hang out type of a mindset which is i just think really cool
0: i think i will never forget the first time i heard you guys' show brad it was linked (laughs) from i somehow landed on one of the first interviews you did um with uh i think joey from baron fig and Mm -hmm. i just remember being like so overwhelmed by your accent like being like having a really hard time focusing
2: well between joey and i i mean you know we have very distinct
0: you and joey and mike it was like oh wow this is (laughs) an audio rich environment (laughs) and i had no idea what it was i was you know, I, I have uh, I have not traveled uh, a lot in the South. It's not an accent that I'm really used to, and I I really really liked it. But I was like, who is this? Like this like this accent that's like so engaging, talking mm-hmm. about pens. Like it was it was like so many things <laughs> all at once. And um, I think that I listened to that episode, and then I came back around when you guys did. I think your first Kickstarter, um, because or mm-hmm. maybe your second one, because Mike talked about it on the Studio Neat podcast. And then I was one of those mm-hmm. lunatics that listened to like the whole back catalog like in two months, <laughs> and then and now like I don't even really hear like anything other than your voice, right? Because like I've heard it so often, but I'll always remember that first time of like, oh hey, what's this new podcast? <laughs> yeah,
2: that that's hilarious. I because I around where I live, I really ha- I would be considered as have not having an accent, right? I mean, I know I clearly have an accent. But it's not very strong, especially around uh, around here, around these parts.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it's funny
2: when you know I, you know, travel around and, and do shows, and we'll we'll talk about this a little bit more. You know, people will not necessarily know that I'm there. But they'll hear me talking, and I'll see—I'll be talking to someone else, and I'll see out of my cor- the corner of my eye this head turn
1: and kind of this
2: do this funny look, and then they'll kind of like squint their eyes, then they'll point at me and they'll go, "You're the you do the you're what what why are you here? Like I I know your voice, so it's it's funny.
0: It's my it's one of my favorite things about podcasting. I I don't know. I think that it is. You know me, I'm always like, let me have some big uh, lecture speech. But I think that (laughs) so much of the media we consume is so visual. And I think that listening to someone's voice is just a totally different way of getting to know them. I feel like you really sort of, um, images are so overstimulating. I think that you sort of like, you, you make these impressions based on the picture that you're seeing. And I think when you hear someone's voice, you have a lot those it's it's a lot less intense and so you have Mm -hmm. this like long sort of more relaxed way of getting to know somebody and then I think we've all had the the experience of getting to know a voice so well and then you see someone's face and it looks like it looks like some like holograph with the voice you know sort of like (laughs) coming out
2: (laughs) yeah for sure
1: well yeah, especially the nice, soothing, dulcet, southern tones of Mr. Brad Dowdy. Mm-hmm. It, it, and then you see his face, and you're like, yeah, that's exactly what <laughs> I pictured.
2: Yeah, so, like, you think about it, I, like, I, I have a hard time wrapping my head around that I do this for a living now, right? So, like, I never <laughs> intended on any of this to happen. <laughs> and now it's like, people recognize my voice in weird situations, so... <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. But like bringing it back around to the community question, um, I've thought a lot about the difference between having a really reg- like rigorous set of 101 intro resources yeah. versus, I think, doing the much more difficult and ultimately much more effective work of building a culture that is beginner friendly. Mm-hmm. I think it's very hard for those 101 classes to not end up being pedantic and boring. Like mm-hmm. For for my druthers, I'd much rather just do what I did when the, with the pen addict is just like jump in feet first into this overwhelming environment, but know that everybody that's already there is sort of willing to answer my questions. And then I get sort of the the full fat version right at the beginning. Right. Like right. all of the fun and all of the complexity that I don't think you're ever going to get in a sort of beginner's course.
2: Yeah, So I. I really can't take credit for the way the community operates as a whole. I'm glad to be part of it, but I'm even more glad to see just the general stationary community as a whole act just with open arms to absolutely anybody and everybody, no matter what, no matter where, no matter when. And bring them in, make them feel welcome. Here's the answer to the question you have. And oh, by the way, here's some other cool stuff that you might be interested in. And the community just kind of, I I don't know the right word for it, but they just build off each other. Like you see Mm -hmm. how someone else acts. You see how one person treats someone else. And then someone, the person that's watching they just know that this is how you act in this type of community and it just kind of propagates through the whole community and it's just been the most helpful nice giving caring community I've ever laid my eyes on and I'm just I mean I consider myself lucky to be a part of it really because there's um there's so many good people that do so many good things and um You know, it's just really, really a pleasure to know that I can reach out to someone with a question and they're going to absolutely love giving me an answer. They're not going to go. okay, Uh, yeah, yeah, whatever. (laughs) You know, I don't care about what you care about.
0: Mike said one time that being at the at the pen shows feels Mm -hmm. like. maybe what it was like to be an Apple fan 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. Like it's this, it's (laughs) this genuinely nerdy space in the sense that there's very little like prestige to be gained, you know, like people are really only there because they want to be there. Whereas, you know, I think, I'm I'm happy that more and more people like superheroes and comic books and computers and Apple in particular. But at, at this point, those are very powerful industries, and there's a lot mm-hmm. of there's a lot of money to be made, and there's a mm-hmm. lot of uh, you know uh, sort of fame and attention to be gathered. Whereas like this still feels like everybody's just here because I want to be here. There's not really a lot of ulterior motives.
2: Yeah, and and quite honestly, and this is not meant as a negative, that's not going to change, right? This is not an industry that's ever going to blow up and become mainstream again, you know, like writing was, you know, back in the 1900s, and the mid-1900s. You know, no stationary company is going to turn into some juggernaut like, you know, not even Apple, but just some other medium-sized company and that's going to start mm-hmm. taking over the world type of thing. So we're all... We all kind of know that, right, going into it. So there's no, it, it's very non-competitive businessy. I mean, like businesses have in this industry are obviously competitive. They're in it to make money. You know, they want to do better than their competitors. But like even like the retailers all get along, <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, that it's, That's it's something that just, things.
1: it blows my mind coming mm-hmm. from, I, I do a lot of work with uh, other companies um mm-hmm. and they're very aware of what other companies are doing mm-hmm. and are constantly trying to compete directly with them mm-hmm. to a point where they make some of their decisions based on what other companies are doing whereas it feels like the stationary communities and businesses, I'm thinking of the big retailers, mm-hmm. you know, Pen Chalet and Goulet Pens and mm-hmm. all of this, they're, they don't hate each other. Right. Like, they talk to each other constantly. They'll, right. like, support and, oh, hey, we're not offering this product, but so-and-so is. Like, that connection, mm-hmm. yes, of course, they're still out to make money, but mm-hmm. it's not money at the... um.
0: At the expense oh of other people. Yes, well, thank yeah, you. At the cutthroat
2: yeah. level.
1: Yes, yeah. yes. Yes. Well, like you know, there's, you know, a, there's a, enough pens for everybody.
2: Yeah. A lot of us have to see each other a lot, right? <laughs> you don't want it to be <laughs> right. awkward, you know, <laughs> the the five or 10 times a year that you're hanging out with these same people in the same room. And, you know, me doing this for a living full time, you know, I definitely have lots of things I have to consider and, you know, lots of businessy type things I have to be aware of. But, you know, at one point I can be standing talking to three different vendors at the same time and we can all be having like a nice casual conversation you know just about the business as a whole because I think everyone in this industry more than any other I've seen had had definitely understands you know the that it's a kind of about it's about the people as much as the products that they have to sell and if they don't have these communities built around all these products and where these people can talk and learn from each other and discover new things that, you know, they're not going to have as good a time uh, in business as uh, I I hope they're having, you know, knock on wood, hopefully everyone's doing well. But, you know, they understand the value of the community as well. And um, they're just all like super supportive of everything I try to do. Anyone in the community tries to do, you know, all the bloggers, all the, um, you know, anyone on social media, Instagram, things like that. And we've definitely seen uh, a lot of growth i believe in this community over the last several years so it's it's been fun and
0: it's funny yeah. when you talk about growth and finding the sort of potential size of of these audiences right like mm-hmm. we know it's not it, it's not going to grow infinitely right, right but right. there's definitely 10 more people out there who are stationary people who don't know it yet Absolutely. and <laughs> i i found my i was like <laughs> laughing to myself the whole like first month i started listening to the podcast because <laughs> The process I went through, like, really reminded me of when I was, like, realizing I was gay. Mm -hmm. It was, like, re-understanding my past. I was like, oh, that's (laughs) what was happening. (laughs) (laughs) I was, like, remembering having a meltdown. My mom was, like, grabbing mechanical pencils. And I'm like, these are not the same. You got Mm -hmm. a bunch of .7. Like, I need the .5 ones. Like, why don't they have any of these in the (laughs) store? And, like, I don't want, like, these pens. I want the Papermate stick pens. And, Mm -hmm. like like my world would end if like the paper was wide ruled i like i had all of these like finicky tastes and as i was listening to i was like oh other people are like that (laughs) that's not (laughs) that's not how everybody is
2: (laughs) (laughs) it's crazy how many of those stories that we all share and it's like you know you, you just think you're just this this outlier at the time and you know there's there's a lot of us out there and like you said there's 10 more every week that are figuring it out it's 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 pretty wild
0: yeah cool well this has been so great brad i mean i know that we we could probably fill an hour just like me and kathy saying like we really think you're great oh (laughs) yeah
2: (laughs) 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 i appreciate that but yeah i would that would not be good (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't make for a good podcast yeah that would
0: probably be pretty boring we could talk um, about
2: yeah. you know hey we could we could talk about some of the warts there's always warts and bruises out there we all go through it oh so. for
1: sure yeah i mean humanity true. yeah yes. there's always but bad.
2: that's why but that's why this community is so great because you can you can work through these things and you know you can uh make things right and you know you still have the support of everyone and so yeah you know yeah it's it's really awesome i'm proud to be a part of it and uh you know i'm uh I'm just happy to be here.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We're happy you're here too. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: Is there anything else you want to say? We can, we can always uh, edit the end to sound really smoothly, but before we like jump into the outro.
2: Uh, No, I just, I just want to say that, you know, what I, I said earlier, I really mean it about getting in touch and asking questions and find someone and, you know in the community if you're interested in these things everyone is so open and welcoming not just me I mean it's every single person I run across in in this uh in this stationary world is uh just genuinely awesome and uh you should be a part of it don't hesitate
1: cool all right Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Art Supply Posse. You can find the show notes online at artsupplyposse.com slash 48. To get in touch with us on Twitter, Heather is at Yard. I am at Mrs. Soup, and Brad is at Dowdyism. Uh, you can email us if you have any questions or want to share some of your fantastic artwork to hello at artsupplyposse.com thank you so much to bob atkins of Skylab letterpress for our intro and outro music and until we meet again good night posse good night posse
2: night posse